0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com. In today's episode, we're sharing a presentation from MaxLawCon 2022. Keep listening to hear Jim hacking as we share his talk, Why Are You Waiting? You can also head to the Maximum Lawyer YouTube channel to watch the full video. Now, let's get to it.
1: Run your law firm the right way. way. This is... The Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mewtrips. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing, close in. The step you don't want to take. Start with the ground you know. The pale ground beneath your feet, your own way to begin the conversation. Start with your own question. Give up on other people's questions. Don't let them smother something simple. To hear another's voice, follow your own voice. To hear another's voice, follow your own voice. Wait until that voice becomes a private ear that can really listen to another. Start right now. Take a small step you can call your own. Don't follow someone else's heroics. Be humble and focused. Start close in. Don't mistake that other for your own. Start close in. Don't take the second step or the third. Start with the first thing, close in, the step you don't want to take. That's a poem by David White, and I share it with you today to encourage all of us for the next two days to be present, to be here in the moment with your friends, with your colleagues, all yearning to improve, all wanting to get better. I love this picture of Tiger Woods. If you can see, everybody is filming with their phones, except for the one fellow with a beer in his hand. He's in the moment. He's enjoying it. So I just put my phone away. I would encourage you to the extent that you can to put your phone away as much as you can during this conference. I want you to be right here, right now. This is really, really hard to do all the time. It's especially hard to do in 2022. And we can spend a lot of our time reminiscing on the past. I heard once that people with depression are focused on the past and people with anxiety Or focus on the future. So I encourage you, not just today, but throughout the conference and as you leave, to don't be asking yourself, remember that one time, or thinking about, wait until I get over there. My daughter Noor is famous for saying, What are we going to do tomorrow? What are we going to do tomorrow? And I have found myself sometimes doing what I call preemptive living, like getting so ready for tomorrow. That's good, it's good to plan, but we lose sight of the fact of being in the moment, of being where we are. And so I think we have to operate on two tracks. The first track is looking to the future and doing all the things that you're gonna hear about for the next two days about trying to improve things. But there is a real place for space and to be here now. This is gonna be a theme you're gonna hear throughout the conference. For me, one of the things that have really helped me with that is meditation. So most days I'll wake up in the morning early and I'll meditate just for 10 or 12 minutes. There are apps for that. Headspace is great. There are other free, you can do all the free meditation in the world. And it's really, really helped me to stay in the moment and to be a lot more grounded and a lot chiller when riding that roller coaster of owning a law firm. One of the people that I've learned from is a guy named Jack Cornfield. And during my meditation, one of the things that he encouraged us to do is to just listen to what comes into our brain. When you're quiet, you have lots of thoughts. And instead of chasing after those thoughts, you can name it. You can just say, oh, that's anxiety. Or, oh, that's worry. Or, oh, that's me thinking about what's for dinner tomorrow night. Just name it and let it go. And just sort of let there be a parade of thoughts as you go through. Pema Chodron talks about how thoughts are really just opinions, you know, that we are so convinced at times that our thoughts are real and that everything we're saying is 100% gospel fact. When in reality, most things are just an opinion and things that we think in our lives that are the worst things ever turn out to be really great for us and vice versa. So Jack Hornfield talks about naming those emotions as they come through. So let's be present together. I'm going to ask everyone to stand up for just a minute. And we're going to take three breaths, three breaths. And so let me show you how we're going to do it. So stand with your, your feet sort of at shoulder width and stand straight and tall as if there's a string in the center of your head holding you straight up. And we're going to lace our fingers. I'm going to practice it once. I'll show you, okay? So I'm going to breathe in and then pause and then breathe out okay and we're going to do this 3 times and the first time that we do it we're going to be thinking about ourselves right ourselves so we're going to lace our fingers breathe in all the worries all the stress all the things that are keeping us up at night all the things that are making us sad breathe it in and breathe out joy and peace and serenity okay now For the second time, we're going to do this for everyone in the room. And I know that there are people in this room who are suffering and are having a hard time and are really trying to do better and be better. And there are people who are sad. We had our mastermind for the guild yesterday, and there are people who are really struggling and really sad. So for this breath, we're going to breathe in for all the suffering in the room, and then we're going to breathe out peace and love and serenity to each of them. Ready? All right. Now, for the last one. We're going to do it for the world, right? And so we're going to think of our minds and the space that we're taking all this in. And we have unlimited capacity to take in all the pain and suffering for the whole world. We're going to breathe it in here. And then we're going to breathe it out. And we're going to send love and peace to all the people in Texas who are suffering. Everyone across the world who's sad, who, who are really having a hard time. Ready? Last one. In. Out. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for indulging me on that. All right. Now, now we're going to talk about saying yes. Saying yes. And every decision that we make is a sacrifice. Every decision that we make is a sacrifice. When we decide something, we're deciding against many other choices. And the word decide comes from the Latin "decidere." And side is the important part of that word, and that's to cut off. So we have words like suicide, homicide, genocide, decide. So I really want you to focus on making decisions this week. And it's okay that every decision that we make, we're cutting off other opportunities, perhaps forever. When we marry a spouse, we're saying to the rest of the world, I don't want to marry you. I want to marry this person. And that makes that relationship that much more important. As business owners and law firm owners, we have to understand that we have limits. We can't do everything. I really started to love this word finitude, which is the state of having limits or bounds. And there's a real freedom and power in just acknowledging that we can't do everything. So you're going to hear lots of ideas over the next two days. You're going to make pages and pages of lists of things to do. I'm going to encourage you to do less to do less and to make better decisions and to spend more time in your thinking chair with your notebook, figuring shit out instead of just doing things.
0: The Zapathon is back. If you're new around here, the Zapathon is the OG Automation Workshop. At this next exclusive Guild event, we're partnering up with Maximum Lawyer's good friend, Kelsey Bratcher, to bring you a day and a half automation workshop. The idea of automation is simple, right? Identify a repeatable pattern of tasks and then use technology so that business process can happen without you. But setting up that technology can be daunting, time-consuming, and even have a steep learning curve. Join us in person and you'll create automations on site that will start working for you before you even leave Austin. Join the Guild today and grab your ticket at maxlawevents.com.
1: We have a limited amount of time. We have a limited amount of time as family members, law firm owners, human beings. I read a great book down in the Dominican Republic this holiday break called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. And that's about what we get. If you live on average, you get about 4,000 weeks. So every week that goes by... You know, I'm 52, so I've had 52 times 52 weeks. So I think if you read that book that you'll see that there's some really great lessons in there about the power of acknowledging that we don't have unlimited capacity. So when I grew up, I grew up Catholic. And we spent a lot of time talking about death. A lot of time talking about death. So this was the hallway of the church where I would serve mass. And that little door down there is where you would go in to get ready and you would have to walk by Jesus every day. And he was like this with his bloody rib and it was scary as hell. But we talked about death a lot, a lot about death. When I was in fifth grade or so, my father and I on Easter weekend, we had to take a movie back to blockbuster video and we were going up the hill from our house. And I said, dad, did we actually bring the tape? I think we might've forgotten it. So we pulled over we were digging around. It had fallen in the back of the, of the back uh, seat. And then we went back up the hill. We got to the hill. The light turned red. And right at this moment, this motorcycle comes flying up the hill. And it hits these two old guys' car. And it drives. The motorcycle came out the trunk. And my dad and I jumped out. And I was like 11. And there's this dead guy there, right? So. I've always been thinking about and close to death. A couple years later, my father was in Lake of the Ozarks at the age of 41, and he had a massive heart attack. He took five nitroglycerin, trying to get his heart rate back. They had to fly him on the outside of a helicopter, up to St. Louis university hospital. And he had a quintuple bypass back when bypasses, like they just stopped using pig vessels and they had just started using his own. Right? So, I saw my dad who was like strong and built decks with by himself and he was just all muscle. He was completely weak. His chest plate was cut open. And so we were always worried about my dad dying. So that was when he was 41. That was in September of 81. In April of, of 82, I started having seizures. My hand would lock and my knees would lock and I would fall down. And then eventually they got worse and worse. And my parents thought that I had a brain tumor. So I spent two weeks in Children's Hospital, and nobody knew what was wrong with me. For those of you who've heard me speak before, I think it was related to that incident that happened to me when I was a child. And I think that was all sort of psychosomatic stuff, because eventually I outgrew it. But for two weeks there, I was getting spinal taps and all kinds of tests, and I thought I was going to die. So that was when I was 12. Later on in life, I changed religions and I became a Muslim. And in Islam, when somebody dies, the family members bury the body, right? And they wrap them in a white shroud. And so when my wife's father and brother passed away, I participated in that ceremony. And it's very powerful. It's very powerful. And in Islam also, you have to get the body in the ground within the next day. So again, death around. A wonderful book by a guy named Stephen Levine called *The Year to Live. He and his wife administered treatment and palliative care to AIDS patients throughout the 80s and 90s. And he wrote this book called The Year to Live. And he asked, suppose this was the last week. Suppose this was the last day. Who would you call? What would you say? Why are you waiting? So when I read this book, I thought to myself, boy, wouldn't it be interesting if we all came with an expiration date? If we all had on maybe on our heel, our expiration date, if we knew the day that we were going to expire. And then I thought, or wouldn't it be interesting if somebody in a science fiction-y kind of way came up with a machine that would tell you when you were going to pass away? Like, you, you would know the date. And the one thought I had was well, those people would get to go first in line at Disney World, right? Because they only had a couple days left. This is my friend, Paul Passanante. He was a mentor of mine, a lawyer, a law firm owner, very successful, gotten multi-million dollar verdicts. On December 8th, 2014, Paul took his own life. His expiration date was December 8th, 2014. My wife's good friend Rhonda Williams was assistant general counsel at a company called Savis. She was on her way downtown. She went out to her car, she was 41 years old, and she dropped dead right in the parking lot. This is Tyson's old boss, Ed Brown. He also took his life in October of 2020. So Tyson and I both have bosses and mentors who ended up taking their own life. Molly Bowman was a classmate of my wife and mine, and On my birthday, my 40th birthday, she sent me a message on Facebook at around 4.15 in the afternoon, wishing me a happy birthday. And she said, I hope this is your best year yet. So for those of you who I've wished happy birthday to, I always say, I hope this is your best year yet because of Molly. About an hour later, she was at Quick Trip, filling up her car with gas, and some guy hopped up on antifreeze or something, ran her over, and she died on her way to go pick up her kids from daycare. This last fellow, Randy Gorey, was the year behind me in law school. He was a multi-multi-millionaire off asbestos litigation. They named the whole lobby of the law school after him. He was younger than me. And two years ago, right after New Year's, some crazy guy came into his house and killed him in front of his kids. And this is my dad. So I do think that sometimes I work out some of my issues on stage, so I apologize for that. But this is my dad. And I told you my dad had that heart attack in 1981. He lived another 40 years. And when I gave his eulogy last year, I was really grateful for the fact that we had received another 40 years with my dad. I mean, to think that his bypass lasted 40 years is unbelievable. And my dad had been sick. He had turned 80 in June. And luckily, we all got to tell him how much we loved him. I had everyone in the family wrote him, A poem or a story about him, and we all read it to him. And then, as he got closer to death, the day before he died, all of his kids, all of his grandkids except for two who attended by FaceTime, we all got to talk to him throughout the day. He was awake and asleep, awake and asleep. And he passed away the next day at the age of 80. And that was a really beautiful thing. And I hope that we all get that opportunity, which brings me to the fact that we all have our own expiration date. And I'm trying not to be too morbid, but I did do something. So my assistant, Omar, and I randomly generated dates in the future. And you have a date in the future. You don't have to open it. I suggest you might not want to open it, but there is a date in the envelope in front of you. You can choose to open it. You can choose not to open it. I'm pretty sure and hopeful that the dates aren't correct, right? But we did some in the next 20 years, some in the next 30 years, and some in the next 40 or 50 years. So I offer that to you as a simple thought experiment to remember that everything we're doing is important, but we only have one shot at this life. So I want you to do everything you can to build the best practice, build the best life, build the best family that you can, and love everyone that you come across. Thanks, everybody.